Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, May the 2nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, each and every day, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, some roster news and the impact on Miami's next wave of player acquisition, plus the shift in roster building strategies and positional budgeting in the post-Mike Tannenbaum era. We'll jump into next year's crop of big-time free agents, plus Isaiah Prince's film study, and we'll close things up by discussing the positional groups I feel best about for the 2019 season. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In, however you get your podcast, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show for me. We've been securely in the top 200 this week on iTunes, and that is awesome. So thank you all for that so much. Also, follow me on Twitter, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, at NFL. Check out the show at Locked On Fins and LockedOnDolphins.com. We have something like 30 articles published in the last week. We are the go-to source for all Miami Dolphins news. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for all the national and local coverage of your favorite teams and leagues. We have a busy show, as we always do. Let's go ahead and kick things off. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's podcast, I want to talk about some news items that came across just before I put the script together for the podcast. So Miami Dolphins, I appreciate you for considering my time constraints here on the podcast. And they are three releases as the Dolphins go from 90 men on the roster to 87 with quarterback Luke Falk, go Cougs, getting cut. And really what Luke Falk was to this team was a placeholder, a developmental guy to get the practice squad and scout teams reps last year even though he had that injured wrist. And he had a fantastic junior season with my Washington State Cougars, but it went downhill from there when he injured that wrist initially. His senior year was not as good. He became a sitting duck in the pocket and just got walloped time and time again in the Pac-12 up here in Pullman, Washington. But the Dolphins will need a fourth quarterback on the roster for training camp. That's commonplace in the NFL. So I assume they'll find somebody off the scrap heap to be the next fourth quarterback on the roster. Cornerback D. Delaney, unfortunate for him. Jason and I, Jason Harina, our staff editor on LockedOnDolphins.com, actually saw him get cut in the Miami Dolphins facility. He left there with a bag and a bunch of clothes in his hands right after he did get cut. So I feel bad for the guy. He's a native of the South Florida area. And defensive end Jeremiah Valoga, I think it was just a numbers game for him getting caught up as the Dolphins currently have 13 defensive linemen on the roster. And most of those guys are undrafted free agents they brought in to replace guys like Valaga. So those guys are out. And the Dolphins are likely opening up spots as free agency approaches wave number three. You heard my thoughts on players I think the Dolphins will be connected to on yesterday's podcast. If not, it's still there in the archive for all you loyal listeners, which, by the way, April was our biggest month on the podcast and on the site. So thank you all for that. And we are on track to eclipse 1.2 million downloads this year on the podcast and just a smidge under 1.1 million page views on LockedOnDolphins.com. And those are my goals. 
socials. So please continue checking us out there on the podcast and on the site and tell a friend because that's the best way you can support the podcast and site is to get us more listeners and more readers as well. But back to football. I sent some tweets out into the universe late on Wednesday afternoon regarding some roster management strategies of the Dolphins coming up. And before that, a quick aside to describe where these ideas came from. I'm home this week and into the summer as I'm doing online classes only at Washington State University. So I get to be a little more plugged in to the TV and radio shows I like to watch. I always watch Will Kane. He is on ESPN News and ESPN Radio while I eat lunch. But I happened to catch some NFL Live on Wednesday, and our good buddy Mike Tannenbaum was on there, and he was praising the Houston Texans for filling their right tackle need in round one with Tyus Howard. Now, I'm a Howard fan. He's a good-looking prospect, but that was a classic reach, and everybody thinks that. The Eagles came up right in front of the Texans to snatch Washington State tackle Andre Dillard, and that basically closed out a run on offensive tackles right in front of the Texans at pick number 23. And so they panicked and pigeonholed themselves into drafting a position over BPA, a terrible strategy in any NFL landscape. But doesn't that just make all the sense in the world that Tannenbaum would think that? After Steven Ross said they would go into player acquisition periods with a needs-based approach and try to check off those boxes one by one, I mean, hell, That was why it was so easy to forecast their moves last year, and now it's nearly impossible as I basically went from Mike Trout in the batting average category down to the Mendoza line this year at best, but it was that plan that got Tannenbaum fired, and while I like Juwan James as a player a whole lot, this reminds me of that 2014 draft when everybody thought Miami reached on Juwan James, so all this got me thinking about other ways the Dolphins can pivot from those previous philosophies failed philosophies over the course of several years and now going on two decades. And so I'm sitting here looking at the roster and I see a bunch of additions of guys that are on these one-year prove-it deals, not unlike the deal Brent Grimes signed in 2013 after coming off a torn Achilles in Atlanta where he was a good player there in his own right. You've got Eric Rowe, the cornerback, Tank Carradine, the defensive end, and wide receiver Devontae Parker, former high draft picks that have fizzled out due in large part to nagging injuries throughout their career. And we know Miami has a lot of money to spend next free agency, but we also know they aren't going to be quick to jump into the overinflated market that is free agency, right? I mean, do we know that? We think we know that. That's the plan, apparently, according to some beat writers and Brian Flores and Chris Greer themselves. So where's all that money go? Well, these are the kind of players that can take a flyer on, and if they hit, you can extend them for what figures to be a team-friendly deal the second go-around. The goodwill of being the team that gave you a chance goes a long way, I hope. Then there's part two, the positional budgeting aspect of this whole thing. We all expect Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunzel to break the bank in coming years or even the coming months. In Xavier Howard's case, Tunzel's impending contract is a direct link to the plan to balance out your positional budgeting, and that's why you didn't see Juwan James brought back this year. Instead, they want to fill his departure with a much cheaper player to balance out Tunzel's impending contract which is sure to make him the highest paid offensive lineman in all of football the minute the ink dries. And I think you can see that shaping up both at right tackle and at cornerback as Miami are keen on letting these relatively unknowns battle for the right to lay claim to the number two corner job and the right tackle job. 
At corner, I have a lot more confidence that one from the group of Eric Rowe, if he's healthy, it's his, no doubt in my opinion, but the man is a walking injury. The group of Rowe, Tankersley, McTire, Armstrong, and Davis, if you find a cornerback two out of that group, that's a massive win for the long-term potential of your franchise at that position. Cheap service for the foreseeable future to balance out Xavier Howard's impending highest paid cornerback contract. I'm much less confident about right tackle. We'll get to Isaiah Prince's film study here in the next segment, but it's up to he, Zach Sterup, Jared Jones-Smith, and a bunch of undrafted free agents. And the one that I have some hope in is Jesse Davis kicking out to right tackle, though he might still be at guard. Who knows what they'll decide on this training camp. So this is the chess to the rest of the league's checkers. This is how you consistently develop potential replacements and make sure you don't have the highest paid crop of safeties with minimal production or the top paid defensive line in football finishing near the bottom of the league in sacks year in and year out. It all makes sense in theory. Now it's just time to execute and get the job done. All right, we're going to come back on the other side here and continue this by looking at some of the impending free agents Miami could spend some of that cheddar on next offseason. We'll get into the tape of sixth-round rookie Isaiah Prince, all of that and more next Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. The Dolphins will enter 2020 with more money to spend than all of us combined will ever see in our lifetimes, unless, of course, Mr. Ross is a fan of Locked On Dolphins. So I think it's appropriate to look ahead at next year's crop of free agents as we try to compartmentalize this two, maybe even three-year plan as a whole general scope of the Dolphins is focused on multiple years, not just 2019. And we'll go position by position here and start off at the main spot at quarterback. And this list, look, free agent quarterbacks really aren't a thing in today's NFL. I think we all know that. But this list is littered with Hall of Famers. But we're not going to get a crack at Tom Brady, Drew Brees, or Phillip Rivers. But Teddy Bridgewater's back on that list again. Maybe we can make it three for three years in a row spurned by a middling quarterback. I don't know. He's an option, I guess. At running back, I think there's much more of an option here with Giovanni Bernard, who's kind of fallen by the wayside. But I think he's the type of back who would require a type of contract the Dolphins would fancy at the position. You can go better than that with Derrick Henry and try to find your sledgehammer in that way, though I find it very unlikely the Titans will let him walk away. And that's going to be the theme of this list. All these players that will probably get brought back on contracts from their current teams, but we can still hold out hope that two or three of them do shake free and the Dolphins can get in on that bidding war. And of course, our own Kenyon Drake is an impending free agency. I really don't see Miami going after the top of this particular market at running back in any way, shape, or form. I'm sure they'll continue to draft pieces and add scheme fits to their offense at the tailback position, just like they did this year with Chandler Cox and Miles Gaskin. At wide receiver, Amari Cooper is going to be out there, but there's no way the Cowboys traded a first-round pick for him to just let him walk out the door. I'm sure they'll make him handsomely paid this offseason. A.J. Green from the Bengals, I think, makes a ton of sense. He'll be 32, but I still think there is that wide receiver number one type of talent. And you might be able to get him on a bargain because he is kind of banged up over the last couple of years and his play seems to be decreasing. He'd be a flyer I'd be willing to take a gamble on. And then Julian Edelman, if the Patriots don't want to pay him because he'll be 34 years old, but obviously the connection is there and you can see why Miami might go after a guy like 
like Edelman to fill their slot role. And Robbie Anderson, if he shakes free of the New York Jets, could possibly replace Kenny Stills as the deep threat on the team. Going forward to the tight end position, Eric Ebron from Indianapolis and Kyle Rudolph from the Minnesota Vikings, both getting close to age 30 up there, but I think both those guys would be scheme fits that can work both as Y and F tight ends and function in multiple aspects of the offense. Tyler Higby of the Rams, a much younger option, and Ricky Seals-Jones of the Arizona Cardinals could be your Mike Gesicki if he does not work out with the Dolphins in the coming years. On the offensive line, there's some really good looking options here if they manage to shake free, and I think that Lyle Collins could be one of those guys that gets free out of Dallas. He's a right tackle. Dolphins have a huge right tackle need. He could slot in and be their starting guy right there. But again, this goes back to the idea that Miami probably won't want to pay a right tackle the big money with Laramie Tunzel due for a contract. And that probably puts this guy off the list as well. The Titans will not pick up the fifth-year auction on Jack Conklin, their right tackle, former first-round pick as well. He's a nasty mauler, a guy I think Miami would be interested in at that position as well. Probably not as interested in the contract, however. And maybe the reason the Dolphins are kind of holding out on the guard position outside of Michael Dieter and Chris Reed is because the Patriots' Joe Tooney, who's due up next year, is going to be a free agent, and he is in his late 20s, right into his prime at age 27, 28, and he would be a plug-and-play signing that would be a perfect fit at your guard position there as well. Brandon Scherf, a dominant guard for the Washington football team. Kyle Long from the Bears, a little bit older, often banged up. He could be an option on a cheaper deal. And then another guy I picked up off the list from more of the bottom was Xavier Suafilo. He's been connected to the Dolphins in what seems like every time he becomes available, either whether it's in the draft or in free agency. So the guard position has a lot of potential names that could hit that market. At center, not so much. Mike Pouncey's out there. He's due up again. Probably going to stay away from that guy, though. J.C. Treader in Cleveland, he's another option from this list, but that list is severely lacking. As we go to the defensive side of the football, on the line, Mike Daniels, the Packers' fantastic defensive end, reuniting with Patrick Graham, even at age 32, would be very nice. From the Niners, Eric Armstead, he is up. He'll be 27 years old. And if you want to get really fancy, Yannick Ngakwe is on this list, but he's probably not going anywhere either, as is the case with most of the guys on this list. You move inside to defensive tackle, I think the Dolphins could round this group out this year with what they have in Taylor, Godshaw, and Wilkins, which is great because this group of free agents next year is severely lacking as well. At linebacker, I think the Dolphins might be set here long-term with three guys they have in-house, but I think it's tough to forecast given Miami's rigid roles at the position. But hey, Bobby Wagner is due. He's not going anywhere, especially after they traded Frank Clark. Kyle Van Noy, he shakes free possibly from New England. He'll be 29 years old. And Baltimore's Patrick Unawusser, I think I pronounced that horribly, but he is due. But they also have to pay him after the way they were just pillaged in free agency this year. Miles Jack and Shaq Thompson, both also on the list at linebacker. At corner, if the experiment there does not work out, then this could be a position the Dolphins prioritize in free agency next year with Jimmy Smith from Baltimore, Ronald Darby, Eli App. Eli Apple and Kendall Fuller all do up for new contracts. Jimmy Smith, obviously the bell of the ball of that group there. And then at safety, Devin McCourty, he'll be a free agent, but I think he retires before he leaves the Patriots. Jimmy Ward was a big fan of his game coming out. He can play that big nickel role for you. Tavon Wilson from Detroit, he's a scheme fit. Carl Joseph from Oakland seems to be miscast in that defense every year. And a special teams type of player, New England's Nate Ebner is a free agent and could come join Brian Flores in Miami. 
this list seems loaded compared to what it was this year. Of course, again, a lot of these guys going to get locked up, but I think that next year's free agent period is going to be a lot more exciting on the NFL landscape and probably for the Dolphins too. And before we get into our final third segment on the show here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, we got to talk about some Isaiah Prince film as I have been rather critical of Prince and what he can do at the offensive tackle position. A four-year starter there at Ohio State, three years rather, he had a tough year in 2016. They said he bounced back in 2017, but then 2018 was more of a struggle for him trying to pick up guys as a pass or as a pass blocker, as that's kind of the weakness of his game. His balance, his weight transfer, his work back inside, all of these things are lacking as he's often on the ground kind of getting pushed backwards and pushed around. Speed rushers typically destroy this guy, which is weird because he has a great kick slide that covers a lot of ground. He just can't anchor and drop that weight and get that guy handled when they burn around the edge and get him with speed or cut back under him and go inside. He's going to have to get much better with that initial punch because once he does get guys locked up with that wingspan and with the strength of his upper body, he can lock them out and keep them at bay and really give the quarterback options that way because he basically blocks out the sun when he does it. Now, as a run blocker, he's very impressive. He can drive guys off the football. He wants to hit people, whether it's in the open field or head up. He can climb to the second level and go get linebackers. And I think that the Dolphins this year might view him as an option to be your sixth extra offensive lineman that comes into the game in those heavy packages. We saw it with Sam Young a little bit here and there last year. They might bring him onto the field as their sixth tackle and let him just blow some guys off the ball. I think he's a two-year project at best. Pat Flaherty, Dolphins' new offensive line coach, has his work cut out for him with this guy. But I think this Dolphins prototype is transitioning into these long, big-bodied offensive tackles that can lock guys out and also provide some value in the running game. And that's the prototype for Isaiah Prince. You go after a guy in the sixth round who has physical traits and measurables that you like, and you hope the coaching can get them up to snuff because this team for a long time has had coaching issues and development issues. And if we're going to be a consistent playoff winner like Steven Ross wants and all of us want as well, they're going to have to find gems like this guy and develop them and cultivate the skills they have and turn them into competent NFL players, something that just has not happened for a long time in Miami, especially on the offensive line. So Isaiah Prince, I've been critical of him. He's my least favorite pick of the entire draft. There's some videos on this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as the rest of the rookie profiles. For every Dolphins draft pick, we're going to have undrafted free agents on tomorrow's podcast and up on the website. But go check out Isaiah Prince. There's a three-play clip of him against Penn State where he just gets whipped. And it's, it's not pretty. It's not good. It'll give you flashbacks of Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner. But again, there are some traits there to work with, and you hope they can mold that ball of clay. All right, we're going to come back here on the other side with one more segment. We'll jump into Jason Harina's best positional groups on the roster, and I'll weigh in on that topic next. Locked On Dolphins podcast, at Wingful NFL, at Locked On Fins. Right now up on LockedOnDolphins.com, you can find staff editor of LockedOnDolphins.com, Jason Harina, who is at Miami D-Punks on Twitter. His column titled, 
Confidence in Miami Dolphins offense, and it's a great piece because, as Jason always does, he explores things very in-depth. He takes a lot of context from other writers, other outlets, and builds his own opinion off of that, and... I don't always agree with Jason, but he always brings these really strong arguments to the table, and he did that here with tons of tweets, even used one of my tweets, used one from Cameron Wolf as well. Omar Kelly had some videos up there. Robert Klemko is in that piece as well. So check it out as he explores the positional groups and where his confidence level is and how many players he is confident in in each of those groups. For instance, on the offensive line, he has a one confidence level with just one player. I think we all would agree on that, that Laramie Tunzel is that one guy and there's also some options and they're talking about players that really developed on the offensive line or did not develop for that matter and the Miami Dolphins basically have had one guy in the last long time that has developed on the offensive line and even he is questionable I'll leave that for suspense but check out that article and that brought me into this idea of my favorite positional groups on the roster and ones that I have confidence in going forward this season and beyond And the truth is, there's not a lot of them to be excited about in terms of what you know ironclad will be good going forward. And we start with the best one, in my opinion, and that's the linebackers, which is funny to say because at this time last year, McMillan was coming off the ACL, Jerome Baker was a total unknown, and Andrew Van Ginkle was not on the roster. And if you want to know more about him, check out yesterday's podcast. We broke down his film as well as up on the website, LockedOnDolphins.com, with his rookie profile. But between McMillan playing that tackle-to-tackle banger on the inside, Jerome Baker giving you speed and pass rush and coverage, off the edge and Van Ginkle kind of doing some of the same stuff there. I'm confident in this group that they have three young linebackers that can contribute in different ways and give you different sub package roles and base defense roles. I'm excited about the linebackers more so than I ever have been going back to the Zach Thomas days. I think potential is brimming in that group. And then number two, this is tough because it kind of drops off from there. Running backs, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balage, and Miles Gaskin, I have confidence in all three of those guys. They will carve out a niche role for themselves. And I still believe that Kenyon Drake has big play potential and plus starter ability. I think the Dolphins held him back the last couple of years in this offense. You guys know how I feel about Kalen Balage, one of my favorite draft picks from last year. And of course, Miles Gaskin, all he does is produce yardage. We go back to a third position group that I have confidence in. And I didn't really want to put this one in here because I think all three of these guys have question marks, but I'm talking about the wide receivers and beyond those three receivers are Devontae Parker and Bryce Butler and Isaiah Ford, Reese Horn, Ricardo Lewis, Preston Williams, and Trenton Irwin. But you start with Albert Wilson, who's coming off a very significant injury, which he didn't have surgery on, but even still, it's a long rehab and a long process to get back. I think that he has plus starter potential and game-breaking ability, just like I do with Jakeem Grant, but Grant, to this point, is still more potential than production, so I worry about him, and I knocked Kenny Stills for the first time this year from my list of plus starters down to a reliable veteran because... The production for Stills just hasn't been there since that 2016 season when he really exploded onto the scene. Now, he does score a lot of touchdowns. He can get deep, and I think he has value on this roster, but I just don't think that he's in that class of upper-tier starters at this point. He can reprove that and get himself back there as well. But the wide receiver group, number three, and that's really about it. 
There are some nice foundational pieces across this roster. I think corner could get added to that group, but the glaring uncertainty of the number two cornerback job remains. And as I posted my whiteboard depth chart on that article up on LockedOnDolphins.com from yesterday, you'll see that I have Miami with three blue chippers, Xavier Howard, Laramie Tunzel, and Minka Fitzpatrick. And Minka, I think, becomes that this year. And then I've got eight-plus starters, guys that are better than the average starter at their position. They are Kenyon Drake, Albert Wilson, Christian Wilkins is already there for me, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan, and Rashad Jones, though Jones gets a medical flag because he's had injuries each of the last three seasons. That list could be argued that that's too favorable some of those players. I think they'll be those guys this year though, and that becomes your foundational piece with those three blue chippers. Hopefully somebody else jumps up and joins that group of three blue chippers, and we get some of these potential players to jump up and join that plus starter range as well. But as for today's podcast, that's going to be my time. On tomorrow's show, we'll have the Twitter mailbag, hoping to get about 10 or 15 of those questions in. Plus, we'll look at the crop of undrafted free agents just signed by the Dolphins. And then it's weekend time, baby. I'm off for a nice little getaway with the missus for her birthday in Hood River, Oregon. You guys should check out that place if you have not done so, if you're up in the Pacific Northwest. But as for today's show, let's go ahead and call that a wrap. If you guys have a smart speaker, you can tell the smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast right away for your instant daily dose. Just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.